start date 98121.96. Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a podcast that discovers new Trek and find ways to trick co-host Grant Davis into watching old Trek. Uh. I'm your science officer <laughs> who has taken over the bridge. It's me, Mariah Gossett. <laughs> and on view screen with me is... Clyde Haynes. And Grant Davis, forever tricked into these things. <laughs> Mike Garcia is on an away mission this week, but he will be back soon. Just a reminder that we go live on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook at 9 p.m. Central on Thursday evenings if you're listening to the audio-only version of this podcast. But tonight, we're going to cover the Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Lower Decks. But before we're going to dig in, just a few reminders. Uh, Yeah, first off, um, we are raising funds all of this July via our Patreon and via your donations to help raise funds to support uh, those in need during the pandemic. So please uh, join us in donating money to support the Okra Project and the Central Texas Food Bank at donate.startrekpod.co. And a little bit of details about those two organizations. The Okra Project is a collective that seeks to address the global crisis faced by black trans people by bringing home-cooked, healthy, and culturally specific meals and resources to black trans people wherever we can reach them. The Central Texas Food Bank has been at the front line of hunger relief with help of partner agencies in 21 counties across Central Texas. And uh, together, we provided more than 39.2 million pounds of food to families in need during the 2017-2018 fiscal year and uh, to average 200,000 individuals each month, month. Again, you can help us raise funds by visiting Donate startrekpod.co and that sounds like a lot of food but it, I don't know it's weird when you put things in like context of weight <laughs> how much weight of food do you guys eat uh, in a year I don't know a it's lot. gotta be crazy right? <laughs> not a million pounds I, I would not <laughs> what would <not>. hope <laughs> uh, and I just want to remind you all um, especially you live viewers to tag at Star Trek Pod or type capital P-O-D in front of your comment. If you want us to mention your comment later on tonight's pod, um, we want to hear about what you thought about the episode uh, and what you think it may or may not inform as we get ready for the animated series, uh, Lower Decks. So can't wait to jump into that. We want you to be a part of the discussion. Um, yeah. All so right. Let's do it. Let's dig into this episode. So, Star Trek The Next Generation Lower Decks first aired on February 7th, 1994. And since I was just a tiny five-year-old, I did not catch this when it premiered. (laughs) But I did enjoy watching it this week. Uh, It is the 15th episode of the seventh and final season of TNG. Uh, The episode was described as junior officers speculate on the reasons for recent unusual actions taken by the commanding crew near the Cardassian border. Uh, the teleplay was by Rene Echeverra, and the story was by Ron Wilkerson and Jean-Louise Mattis, directed by Gabrielle Beaumont, uh, who has directed quite a few episodes. And besides the normal cast, joining the uh, sort of rounding up the cast here are the junior officers and a civilian. We have uh, Sam Lavelle, who is our sort of pilot bridge personnel, the dude in the red. <laughs> we have Riker Jr. Riker Jr. Yes, uh, very uh, uh, like looks like he should be in a Marvel movie today. Now, mm. uh, mm. 
Sito Jaxa, who's the Bajoran security officer, uh, Tarek, who's the Vulcan in engineering, Ben, who is the civilian who works in the like restaurant bar, and uh, Alyssa, who's our medical officer, and then we have the Cardassian Federation spy, Jorit Dahl. So, why don't we go ahead and get started with some hot freaks? Hot freaks! Who wants to go first? I'll jump in. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things, if you have ever... Look, I'll, I'll tell my... My story is that my wife grew up in a very strict home, and as such, she couldn't watch a whole lot of movies. So we go back, and we'll watch things, and it for me, it's this pleasure that I get out of showing her things from way back when, like Goonies or Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Some of them age really well. Some of them don't. My thought was that this was one of those that if you had asked me back when it aired, wow, this was really kind of cool. In retrospect, it just didn't feel to age that well. Um, I mean, I thought the story was there, but something just seemed a little bit off in, in the delivery. Like none of the characters, with the exception of Alyssa, who I already had an attachment to because she's been part of the crew. I wasn't that interested in any of them. Um, so yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it for what it was trying to show us, but I just thought it didn't age quite that well. Grant, what did you think? Disagree. I, I disagree because I think yes. Clyde, you and I just usually disagree on these things. And, uh, before I get into that, I just wanted to point out, what did I get? Like the tiniest images here? <laughs> the show you did. I was trying to toggle between some uh, images of the episode, and they're all like these baby thumbnails. So, That's what uh, happens when it was on like VHS when it yeah. came out for distribution. <laughs> this is how you're supposed to watch the show. Uh, sorry, audience. But yeah, you know what? I really dug this episode. I thought it was a fun kind of uh, peek into this other unspoken realm within the ship. And this is the second uh, TNG episode I've seen. So... You know, about halfway through this episode, I was once again like, wait, is Riker the lead of this show? Where's Picard? He's never on here. And then finally, Picard shows up to be a dick again. As we've learned, Picard is just a dick all the time. Um, and nothing I have seen so far has dispelled this idea for me that Picard is a dick. That said, uh, I liked how there, there's all these different characters that are kind of uh, these ancillaries for our well-known characters from the show or at least y'all's well-known characters and they all go on these these interesting unique journeys but i i thought how they kind of wove everything together and then gave kind of a gut punch of an ending was unexpected and it uh it resonated with me it made me really think so i walked away from this pretty impressed and pretty pleased with this episode yeah, I'm probably somewhere between the two of y'all. So I, <laughs> um, I overall enjoyed like the plot and the emotional journey that we went on. I will say some of the acting felt very like old 90210 if you ever watched that show. And like, you know, those sort of CW teen melodrama feeling, which I think just comes when you're being introduced to brand new characters being played by younger actors, right? Like, they, for the most part, these characters haven't had time to like settle in for us to get to know them, for us to really have any depth or like deep emotional attachments. I think besides to um, 
to to Jaxa because I think she has the largest like emotional arc that we get in this episode. And I really enjoyed seeing sort of what happened. I mean, I didn't enjoy seeing what happened to her at the end, but I She's thought her, monster. I thought she had the most compelling performance of the whole episode of this like newbie group of people. Um, but yeah, I thought it was enjoyable. I ended up watching it twice today and and I still like there are you, moments where I couldn't take my my eyes off the screen and pay attention. So you watched well, it twice? Wow. I did. <laughs> well, Mar- Mariah, I, I think you're right about kind of the Cedo character. And I think what immediately kind of resonated with me was I loved the, th- the throwback because one of the episodes that I thought was a great episode was the Academy episode where the Enterprise has to go back to the Academy because Wesley Crusher has been involved in this, you know, difficult maneuver, this, um, I forget what it's called, the, this uh, Kelvold Starbus, Starburst kind of maneuver where someone dies, right? Um, kind of one of their teammates die and they have to investigate what's happening and there's a big cover up. And so for Picard to go out of his way and say, wow, you were a part of this. We were there. We watched this and you chose to stay and stick it out and go through all this stuff. Of course, I would give you an opportunity to come onto the Enterprise, the flagship of the Federation, and give you a fair chance. Um, So when you talk about her arc, it, it was like, yes, there is something familiar. Like, wow, I've got some history. And and I love that. I think, you know, if I really look at it, I think maybe my issue might have just been with kind of Sam Lavelle um, and his <laughs> character. That might be really where it's like, dude, like every scene is just crushing me a little bit. Um, he seemed very, very. Uh, very childish, petulant, and uh, needy for the kind of attention that I'm like, huh, how did you get to where you are at this point if you're that type of personality? Yeah, and as, um, you know, if we want to, like, jump in, I wanted to talk about this sort of rivalry that's set up between Sam and, and Sito. Um, Sito? Sito? Yeah. I watched this twice. You think I know it. Okay, so they're sort of uh, butting heads, and we definitely see sort of, like, Sito uh, going through like training. She's working with Worf. She's doing the drill. You know, like she's taking command of these situations. Whereas Sam just seems to always be sitting behind that one big piece <laughs> at the front, and we don't really see him sort of going above and beyond besides trying to like kiss Riker's butt. They do nothing to really sell him. He seems like a pretty bland dude who feels entitled to a promotion, but doesn't know how to even talk to his commanding officer without feeling like he's just being opportunistic and trying to pry a relationship out of it for promotion. Like all of him seems fake and it doesn't seem earned any of this kind of behavior by him. So I, I thought in a way it was kind of like good that he gets the promotion and feels bad about it because he knows he didn't deserve it. It totally went, should have gone to Sito and she sacrificed herself or Picard, you know, sold her out. Uh, (laughs) And as a result, he ends up getting this position that he just always has to go, huh, I better work harder than I have in this episode. I hope. Yeah, I, I think 
what I really like about stuff like this, when we look at kind of Trek and we can think about kind of all the, the, the cast and the crew, uh, I approach Trek with this idea that I am looking at the best of the best, right? Like this, there's this modly crew who's the finest at what they do. And when we look at the enterprise in particular, that's pretty true, right? So even Wesley Crusher, who manned the con station for a while, was pretty much a genius, right? He was a child genius um, and had this great opportunity. So when you think about competence, it's just at a high level. When you look at this cast, right, we've got kind of Nurse Agawa, who we've seen kind of operate at a high level. We've seen Sido kind of in the past and now be given opportunities to operate at a high level. Tarek is reading research that hasn't even been published and looking at increasing the warp efficiency uh, by 7%. Like, that's what we're talking about. And then you got this dude <laughs> who's doing exactly what for me. Having like, a chiseled <laughs> jawline and good hair. <laughs> right. He orders a drink and then forgets to pick it up. Like, that's this guy we're talking about. So Right. It's like if you wanted to bond with Riker and we're using this whole parallel between these two groups of people is the poker game. Like mm -hmm. if you know, and I'm sure they all know that the senior officers play poker. It's like, why don't you just ask him for some poker pointers? You know, right. if you're trying to like open up a piece of conversation with another human being. <laughs> the, the point is the guy's completely charmless. And he doesn't earn anything that he gets. He's just con continually tripping upward. And that's that's what... I mean, I, I'm okay with the guy being what he is in this episode. Like, I wasn't, like, put off by it so much as I was like... It's, it's interesting to have a character like that who is kind of unlikable. And then the show tries to sell you on him and continues to be unlikable <laughs> at the end. I was like, yeah, well, I, whatever. I've got to be, I got to be honest. I wasn't exactly thrilled with Ben either. I mean, Mini Guinan, I, that wasn't, yeah, wasn't exactly it was, working for me. Do you think he was duplicitous? It, it felt a little that way. I don't actually think he was. But if I found out that I'm playing poker with a guy and we're sharing kind of all of my concerns insecurities and I'm being, yeah i'm being vulnerable right i'm talking about man my boss man my boss just doesn't like me and then right after that you go play poker with my boss that doesn't work for me that's not working for me so i have uh something to bring up around the poker game because during my second watch with my spouse we probably went back and forth looking at everyone's hands of that junior officer poker game to figure out how Ben could have won. He cheated. He had, he? he had nothing. He had nothing. Like the uh, Sam had two of a kind. And all Ben had was like maybe a singular pair. And there would have been no way for him to have won the other hand. And so when he flips it over and he's just like, oh, it was, we couldn't figure it out. We're like, maybe they d dealt a different hand, but we went back and forth for a very long time and examined all of these cards. And so I have lots of questions for the line producer this day. <laughs> oh, we anyway. just got a, we just got a comment from Mike who must be tuning in and watching this <laughs> show, which uh, doing, says, Mike? <laughs> pointing out that I've been steeped in toxic white male privilege all day, considering my day gig and this episode. 
TMI, Mike. <laughs> TMI. <laughs> it's been a day. It's been um, a day. <laughs> the poker game was funny, and I do, I do love that. I kind of like the idea of Ben's character in that he is sort of the, like, confidant because he doesn't really seem to share any secrets with the senior officers he's only trying to help the younger folks out i think but i he especially won me over in the end scene when he's talking to Worf and he mm -hmm. tries to like you know what Worf, you belong with those guys mourning sito because you did trust her you did constantly vouch for her and uh, i i think i saw someone else in the comments who was agreeing with me Oh, right here. I'll, I'll put this one up. Um, that Picard and Worf sold her out. Um, Sito, except I don't think that Worf necessarily did in this episode. I I got the sense that Worf was just a champion for her and feeling like that she had redeemed him herself. Was Worf saying, I want her for that mission? Because I thought in the beginning of the episode, Worf was saying, I think she should be in the um, commander position that we're going to give a promotion to. I think Worf wanted her to get the promotion. I don't think he knew what Picard's like end goal was for her as far as like figuring out her character is like the vibe that I got um, because he was all, you know, teaching her through this weird lesson that she needed to know when she was being tested unfairly. And like, I will say on second watch, when you watch her just get beat up by Worf and then sent on a death mission, you're just like, oh, this poor, poor girl. Like... <laughs> She's really getting just thrown to the wolves, you know. <laughs> it it's really it's it's kind of messed up, right? They they drag her reputation through the mud. They make her feel like shit. They test her in these other ways, like Worf tests her in a way that like the only the only true way is to say it's an unfair system and to back out of it, which is just kind of like psychologically manipulative as well. And then after all of this beatdown, they're like, "Hey, now there's one way you can save yourself and it's if you, you say you go on this mission otherwise we've we've pretty much set up a scenario where you can't possibly say no to us you have to go on this death mission i guess one of my struggles with this whole death mission was was she really the right person for the job so one it felt like she was chosen basically because she was bajoran right which mm -hmm. Is kind of a crappy thing to do. And it made me question, so you're telling me she's the only Bajoran on the ship? Right. And we also know that Starfleet, if you can make her face look that way, then putting some ridges on her nose is like cake. We've right? seen them like transform Troy into a Romulan. A Romulan. So, so I, I, it just made if, me think, if you're they're taking gonna a junior someone. officer. If they're going to redshirt someone. So, Might as well be a new person, right? <laughs> interestingly enough, apparently in the script, they were originally going to leave her death a little bit more ambiguous because they thought it would be an interesting way to like backdoor a character into Deep Space Nine. Uh, um, hmm. And so Taylor said, when I mentioned, you know, keeping her death more ambiguous to Michael, he said, absolutely not. She's dead. She stays dead. That would undermine this whole episode. So he was like, fine, I'll do it. And then the morning after Michael saw the episode, he came in and said, we can't let her stay dead. We've got to bring her back. She was wonderful. He was really blown over by her performance. So, um, Wait, so did yeah, they bring they, her back? 
they did not end up bringing her back. So that actress actually ended up, this was like, she did like one more thing and then became a social worker actually. Oh man. So, uh, but yeah, so they, they also, it's been something that's been like back and forth. I read a couple of things about how they sort of regretted making it so final that she was dead. There was lots of talk about her becoming a character that was, um, instead captured by the Cardassians and like tortured for years. And she would come back and be rescued during deep space nine. And they would sort of talk about the concept of PTSD and like Isn't that seven of nine though, that sort of thing. No, not really. Is seven of nine now a different show. Seven of nine is on, on. Voyager. <laughs> okay. I don't know which one she's on. Sorry. But yeah, so I think it's it's interesting to see, like, you know, I think we feel this conflicted about it. And you can see that it was also something they were feeling at the same time. But what do you all think about, like, the ethics of Picard really putting her into this mission? Clyde, you want to go first? <laughs> Look, you know that if you ask me who's my favorite captain, hands down, it's a no-brainer question. I'm going to say Picard, right? Uh, that doesn't mean I'm a Picard apologist. So I'm not going to sit up here and say everything he does is perfect. Again, I, I question, was she the right person for the job? Um, you know, look, we, we don't know exactly what happened and, and how that escape pod ended up kind of getting shot down, right? Um, it definitely seems like they had some bad intel. Because I thought it was supposed to be small enough they weren't see it. Clearly, they knew she got away, which was, you know, it's going to be problematic if you're trying to be a secret. So I don't know anything that happened. But when I look at Picard, I kind of think, was like, what did you know and when did you know it? Like, you're going to pick up this person, you know, again, is this the, is this the right person? What, did you have to have somebody on the ship? Right. So I I just I question this one. I look at it and think ultimately, I think Picard as a character is going to to have to deal with this one. I would have expected if, you know, at some point in the future, you know, this was the final season that he looks up and this is one this is one of those decisions he regrets. And this one haunts him a little bit. Um, Maybe she'll come back for Picard. You never know. (laughs) I mean, what do you think of it, Mariah? I mean, I just felt really strange because I feel like most Star Trek episodes, we see them do everything they can to rescue our, our main crew. You know what I mean? Like they'll go above and beyond, you know, no soldier left behind kind of thing. I understand for like the emotional weight of the episode, I think of where the writers were trying to go. I feel like the death, like, I understand it from a writer's perspective. The death feels heavy. It is like uh, the biggest way to sort of tie the bow on that whole plot line of like mm-hmm. redemption and of, uh, of service before self and like all of those sorts of things that I think they try to, to put in there. And I do kind of appreciate because we do so often have those red shirt moments where we don't get to know the characters that are going off and dying in all these episodes that we perhaps will think more of the red shirt, if that makes sense. So I, I get it from like what they're trying to do to us as like viewers, but I did feel weird watching Picard essentially send this girl out to her death with so little resources. Like I almost wish we got to see this episode, like, 
from the senior officer's point of view as the next episode. Do you know what I mean? It was like we saw lower decks right. and then we're going to see the same plot, but from the upper decks point of view. And I think that would and have been maybe a little bit more from her point of view, like on the ship, right. what actually happened. Yeah, exactly. Well, like and, I kind of wanted a continuation. I think until that point, part of the, the issue that I have, and again, I haven't seen this, these particular series of episodes in a while, so I could be wrong, but this definitely had to feel a bit of a bottle episode in terms of like what happens next. To me, if you really want this weight, right? if you want the heaviness of it, then this is something that needs to be somewhat, at least in the background, a bit of an undercurrent over the next few episodes or periodically popping up that there are consequences for this, right? Con- like there should be an emotional taxing that happens to Picard, to Worf, right? Um, and yet, honestly, we never see many of these characters again, right? Well, there were a lot of little threads just left hanging. Yeah, I even like I looked up because I was like, okay, well, if she did this and it's supposed to be this big important mission and that's why we're okay with this death, I was like, okay, I don't know as much. I was like, maybe this doll character shows up again, but he never does in any other episode of Star Trek. It is mentioned in the Dominion War novel that apparently um, he disappeared and, uh, and Jean-Luc Picard said that he thought he had been discovered that he was a double agent or perhaps he was a double, double agent. And so it's like, so you're essentially saying we sent this girl out for, to her death in exchange for the possibility. Like we got a little bit of information from him, but that was it. And not enough to stop. Not enough to the stop Card- the war. Yeah. Yeah. Not enough to stop the Cardassians from like basically devastating deep space nine for the better part of an entire series. Right. Like I think if you're trying to set up some pre characters for deep space nine, like why wasn't the doll character then made a bigger deal? And then we could be like, Oh, this is from that episode where we lost Sito. You know, this would make more sense to me. I mean, I, I watch these episodes through a slightly different lens than you guys because you have a lot more familiarity with the character. So I think when I'm watching these, I'm kind of learning a little bit more here and there about like, oh, is that the type of character that Worf is? Or is that is Picard always a dick in every decision that he makes or whatever, right? Uh, so uh, w- when I see that Picard once again takes Cito and his his first scene with her is him bullying her and breaking her in the hopes that she'll push back against it. And once she pushes back against it, it, it's like this continual like mind game to get someone to do what you want, which seems very manipulative. And I guess you could shrug and say, Hey, he's a captain. He's got to manipulate people in order to achieve a lot of his goals as part of, but at the same time, I don't know if, I am supposed to be watching and rooting for Picard and thinking he's a noble character because if I'm not if 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 I'm not I'm okay with watching shows where people are nuanced and they have a lot of gray areas and flaws but a lot of what was hyped up to me is that Picard is noble. <laughs> Picard does the right thing and I keep seeing things where he's acting in pretty selfish ways or in ways that seem like he he manipulates people and he makes he plays against people's prejudices. We we talked about this in the last episode when we were talking about um, the one with Jordy and man, you guys are gonna have to help me out. 
Jordy and Worf, and then the are they called the Romulans? Romulans? Yeah, the Romulans. Mm-hmm. Where they were playing on the prejudices of of Worf's people with um with the Romulans, the, the Klingon Romulan issues, right? And 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 he was trying to guilt him into donating his blood to try and potentially save this person, even though that's such a loaded issue for him. And, and meanwhile, like patting Jordy on the back, who didn't, who isn't even involved in, in a lot of those kind of uh, conflicts that have gone on thousands of years and lost parents or whatever. Isn't he doing sort of the same thing again with a Bajoran putting them with a Cardassian again? I'm not fully sure, but it sure seemed like there's a lot of bad blood there. And, he manipulates her into doing a mission that otherwise she might normally say like, Hey, you don't have to do this. In fact, we could just send this guy over there and he can, they might need a prisoner, but he could just be like, yeah, I escaped on this pod. Let me back in. I'm one of you. Yeah. You know, uh, it's very interesting how he seems to find these very unique pairings for these very, like heart wrenching, morally gray area, like missions, right? And I think it's so. Uh, De- Denise brings up an interesting point in the chat. Do you think they should have gotten Michelle Forbes back? And so Michelle Forbes' character plays oh, Dennis. Dennis. Uh, Michelle Forbes plays uh, Ensign Rowe. Ensign who- Rowe Laren. Yes, who I think would have been the appropriate person to go on this mission yes. with a Cardassian spy because we know she's very capable of kicking ass and taking names and manipulating her way out of just about every kind of situation. So that would have been that would have been really cool and interesting to have seen. Yeah, I, I think what we see here is when you think about kind of going back, you know, 20 years, 30 years. Um, I see that Picard, great captain, terrible diversity and inclusion officer, right? Like, it seems like his idea of helping break down cultural tensions is just force people into conversations and doing things for each other, right? And that's, you know, Grant, the two episodes that you talk about, that's what happens. was like, Hey, I know Klingons and Romulans don't get along, but you should do it anyway and things will be better. And, you know, putting, you know, a Bajoran in the room with a Cardassian and say, hey, go risk your life for this person. It'll be great. Um, Isn't exactly kind of the awareness that I think we understand now. Uh, But I also look and say, well, maybe there wasn't time for that. Like in both of these situations, urgency and time was a big factor, but he doesn't seem that equipped. The question that I keep coming back to is, where's Counselor Troy in both of these situations? <laughs> and maybe she might have been more equipped to have some conversations with the individuals involved. My question to know. you, Clyde, was Picard's actions in this episode retribution against Worf for him saying no <laughs> when he asked for the blood? He's like, okay, you don't want to save that guy? You don't want to compromise on, on your principles? I'm going to kill your your closest confidant, your your sparring partner. I'm going to take her out. <laughs> your protege. Picard's no, evil. He's not evil. You know what? You know what I do like about Picard when you talk about what's in his character? In both situations he did the same thing. He said this is not an order. 
right? In both situations, he said, I'm not ordering you. And it's completely in his ability to say, I'm ordering you to do this. Which is why it's once again bullshit, because there's a power dynamic between them. So it's kind of an unspoken order, especially after you berate her and make her feel like she has to earn her her credibility with Starfleet once again. Again, power dynamics, something I think we know a lot more about in 2020 <laughs> than we did yeah. back then. And Very I think true. that's the thing that is is really interesting to me is is what we know now about behavioral science and, and culture and awareness today than we did in 2020. And that's why I go, some of this stuff, you go back and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember the Lord Dex episode. I can't wait to watch that. And then some of it is culturally cringy. Right, you're like, eh, mm, that seemed a little sexist in the way that came across. I don't know about that. Yeah, I also think it's like, it's so interesting to me that the main, the main plot point for like Alyssa's whole character is her like romantic relationship, which I actually sort of enjoyed the slight rom com moment of it all. It's kind of like, weird, but it it <laughs> <Little> felt. <bit. laughs> It just felt like very out of place with the rest of this episode. Like, I think the middle point was was Tarek and and Jordy, like their sort of weird uh, mentor mentee situation, where he's like very <laughs> Jordy's smart. Like, God, you're insufferable, but you're <laughs> yeah. fucking smart. I just yeah. don't want to deal with you. <laughs> I I just loved when he's like shooting the phaser at the at the shuttlecraft, and he's just like. Oh yes, that would be consistent. And Jordy's just like, God, consistent with what? Just tell me. Like, why do you already like, know what I'm doing? How do you already know? But I did feel like the character, like Tarek's Vulcan persona, was very like stoner intellectual. It's kind of beach bro, right? Like, right? It felt, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I know Vulcans are supposed to be sort of socially awkward because of the whole logic thing, but I feel like it usually airs more on the side of like serious formal whereas like Tarek felt very like uh like i'm gonna tell you what i think man like <laughs> i don't know it was it was weird and, and funny no, but you're, yeah you're you're spot on mariah that scene between ogawa and crusher where crusher asks so how's uh how's pal seemed a lot like somebody going Hey, so how is your significant other, right? How's your partner? And the answer that you're supposed to give is, oh, they're doing great. And you mm-hmm. walk off. And she kind of just went into like, you know, and I was like, that's a really inter- interesting conversation. And that maybe I'm putting a male lens on it, but I would never, ever, ever have that conversation with my boss. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> Not then, your bo- then your boss about to snitch on him. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. But now you're getting married. Like I want drama. I'm sitting up there going, "You saw him with another another woman, and now she says, hey, 'Hey, we're getting married.'" And she's like, "Oh, I'm so relieved." I was thinking the next line is relieved. Why? Why are you right. relieved? <laughs> or I was like, "Can we at least see Crusher talk to Powell and Powell being like, oh, 'Oh, I'm being weird because I'm going to propose.' And like I was talking to this person to help me pick out a ring or whatever the equivalent yeah. is in the future, you know, which is where I'm justifying the plot line is going instead of him being a cheater who's then proposing to cover up his cheating tracks. But how and- do you even have like side game when you're on a <laughs> ship? 
You're, I mean, you're like, all locked 20 in, of man. Us. What are we? What yeah. are you doing? There's no anonymity there, and there's no privacy. Like you're no. out and about. Like there's nowhere for you to hide. You can't. You you yeah. you can't creep on a ship, man. Come on. I will say, I think I've had that conversation with the superior before, who I've been and been around and have known for like I longer than a year i'd say i would i would be more honest about like relationship stuff because it might affect your work you might be like hey shit's going on at home so i might be in a crappy mood for the next few days like (laughs) i I wanted to bring up that after the fact why are you in a crappy mood i gotta tell you something (laughs) (laughs) uh i wanted to bring up that this episode i know came out before the wire came out but it really reminded me of of something that uh the wire did much better arguably but uh in season four not even arguably that's a fact that's a hundred percent fact uh season four four of the wire it takes these four kids and shows like the the education system uh of baltimore as they're kind of uh examining different layers of uh the continual drug problem and and policing issue in uh baltimore it's a great show you guys should all watch the wire if you have a chance but um it is still in the slightly season, problematic it takes but it's four, <laughs> it, it's got problems yeah um but in that fourth season, it takes these four kids and shows them essentially paralleling, especially by the end of the season, paralleling four prominent characters. And the the path that their characters end up taking takes them into alignment with characters that you didn't necessarily expect that they would they would suddenly be so similar to. Um, and it was just kind of interesting watching this uh this kind of pairing off of each character in this show in a similar way of like, Oh, you're, you're obviously going to become the new Jordy or the new Riker. And it made me think that Riker must've been a really dullard Mimbo when he was younger. That's, that's all I want to say. He's a Mimbo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Well, do we want to, I could say the wire is one of the greatest. No, um, I, I I do think that you bring up a good point, but I think where it falls down is everything that we've seen about kind of the characters um, on the next generation is from day one they seem completely excellent. Like we hear Troy say, "Oh, you know, he reminds me of you." You know, didn't you do this? But everything we've seen and all of our experience with the Riker is that basically he came out of the womb ready to 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 lead a starship um so we don't see a whole lot of that so it just didn't quite resonate with me it was hard for me to see the parallels he came out of the womb ready to make some bunny corn pizza that's what he came out of the womb for uh mariah you have some trivia facts yeah, I was going to say, if y'all want to start, uh, if uh, our live listeners want to start getting their questions or comments ready for us, remember to tag at Star Trek pod so that we can see those or P.O.D. Yeah, if I'll you write P.O.D., I think it's even easier for me. Just write P.O.D., yeah. all caps, right before you uh, say something, and now I'll, I'll see that. Yeah, so I thought, um, you know, oh, this uh, particular episode was 
uh, inspired by the classic TV st- uh, series Upstairs, Downstairs, which we have now seen reformulated once again into things like Downton Abbey. Um, Ron Wilkerson and Jean Louise Mattis took the unusual step of presenting the premise in the form of detailed character notes as a way to get the episode uh, approved. And then apparently uh, Tarek's original name was Sorek, but it was changed to reflect the now practice of giving Vulcan male names starting with T, as in Tuvok, who uh, is on Star Trek Voyager Grant. So oh, they go know. alphabetical, like by generation or something? <laughs> I think it's just generally the the they decided the men start with T. And then I think, I don't know, there's like a weird naming convention I've seen a few times. What about Cole what about and Wolf? Is she a Klingon? No. This is a... Vulcans. 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 From the planet... Pointy ears. (laughs) Spock. Yes, like a Spock. He's a letter S. Okay. Uh, And they actually thought about making him a reoccurring character if TNG had gone on for another season. And then I thought y'all would enjoy this, especially after you uh, sort of read Sam for filth. Apparently, the character was named after Wilkinson's Canadian Labrador, (laughs) which is so accurate to the character when you think about it. He's just like, like, Labradors are just dumb, happy, and you just give them something to do and they'll do it. Like (laughs) That works. There we go. That, it makes so much more sense now. Right? It makes so much sense. So those were uh, some of the, the fun fun facts that I that I pulled out here. So uh, we've got some little posts and comments. We're going to hit up uh, the first one here. Says This comes from Chupu. who says, Speculate what might be elements that carry to the new show Lower Decks. They're junior officers. I think that's going to be about it. I think you, the poker has, is something that carries over as well as the, I've seen a lot of um, Twitter jokes already from some of the actors about their cocktail choices. So I think the, the drinking and the poker is what I've seen carry over. Um, I, I mean, I, I imagine that we'll just still see a lot of this um, fan, fan, Fanning out fan service. I don't know what the term. What, what term am I trying to come up with here? Fan service, I think. No, no, no. They're going to be uh, geeking out about the officer class people a lot and like mm-hmm. revering them and, and probably putting them on a pedestal that isn't necessarily uh, accurate if you know the you know personal drama and history that goes on with these characters that they're also still just kind of not humans, but they're all people. Um, so I, I imagine it'll be dealing with this kind of goal of always trying to get up there and trying to climb the ladder and being supportive of each other, but maybe a little bit competitive, which hopefully it is, it's, it's kind of fun to see um, what the, the lower rank people have to put up with. A while back, I made this little short video for this um, film festival here in Austin. And uh, the premise of my video was that you're, I, I was a person who was working in outer space. And I'm like, oh, man, I, I was bragging to my twin brother, like, oh, I'm in outer space. This is amazing. Nothing could go wrong here. Uh, I'm much better than you. And then my boss comes floating in and my boss says, hey, uh, I'm going to need you to clean the toilets. And I'm like, but I'm in space. 
like aren't there robots don't we have technology <laughs> and i think it's just funny like that there's still you know different tiers of jobs and and even when you're out in space there's there's, there's going to be a, a class system and stuff that you have to do that seems a bit more mundane and i guess i'll throw that to the the, the lower level people yeah, something that I noticed in this episode that I kind of hope also carries through is um, like them just getting like read for filth by their superior <laughs> officers. Like every time they're just like shot down about anything. I thought that was a very funny element where you're just like, oh, this isn't going to be like cultivate your your true uh, skill set and we'll put you out into the world. It's like yeah, we're going to take all of your knowledge, but then we're also just going to read you up and down so that you have no self-confidence left. <laughs> um, yeah. I kind of thought it was funny in this episode. So I think it could be something that's humorous to carry over into the animated series and get even more just like exaggerated. Um, yeah, that, that would yeah. be my, my hope there. I think we're going to see some romance. So the kind of the Ogawa Powell dynamic i think we'll see some romance there uh i'm wondering if we're gonna see more death too right mm -hmm. only it'll be much more comedic this time uh and it'll be interesting to me is it going to be more like kind of you know kenny you know where there's a red shirt and kind of playing up on the red shirt joke that someone dies almost every episode uh but thinking that we're also talking about kind of coming in from a Rick and Morty standpoint, it'll be interesting to see the tone again and, and typically how they approach death in space. And um, and so I think we'll see that just in a very different, different tone. Can you imagine if in the series, it's just like, I think we might've said this on the last episode where it, it's the, um, oh my God, you killed Kenny, but with the red shirts over and over again. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I'm hoping not, but I, I can see that being a, if they do it right, it could be fun. But it's been 20, almost 30. I guess it's been about 30 years at this point. Is the Red Show jerk joke kind of old now? I mean, it's it's ready for a new generation, right? Um, Kung, Kung, Kung. I'm gonna, sorry uh, if I mispronounced that. Uh, I'm hoping they make lower decks like The Trouble with Edward. That's my favorite short trek, aside from Tribble's serial commercial at the end. <laughs> Uh, do you guys remember the Trouble with Edward short track? Yeah. What's the, uh, remind me of the plot. I'm not good at like title remembering names. Oh, I was going to ask you guys to remind me. <laughs> oh, I see how I this saw goes. It so long ago. Oh, um, yeah. The Trouble with Edward is the, uh, yeah. The Trouble with Edward is that triples episode. The one mm -hmm. with, um, what's his name from Bob's Burgers. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's John Benjamin. H. John Benjamin. I episode. didn't see this one, so that's oh, why. I, it's I very funny. Okay, H. John Benjamin's great. Yeah, it's a. I think it is like a, a weird. It it reminded me more almost of like a Twilight Zone episode, in like the really dark humor that it's sort of based around because it has him being this sort of mad scientist sort of character with seemingly good intentions, but they're not good. In, anyway, you should watch it. It's good. Nice. <laughs> And uh, it's pronounced Kern, so I'll oh, nice. adjust that for the future. Um, yeah, uh, this next one comes from Dennis McElwain, who says, Pod. Oh, no. When he was younger, Riker's captain was Terry O'Quinn, a.k.a. Mr. John Locke from Lost. Clyde. Clyde. Take 
I think How this comment is that, just Clyde? because someone <laughs> wanted to take a shot. Is the drinking game still happening? Maybe. I'm empty, I mean, you guys. Like, here we go. Come in. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's awesome. Terry O'Quinn was also the bomb diffuser in um, the X Files movie, so he's he's got range. Done those three things, and then he disappeared. You know, I thought about that actually. That was something that I literally was thinking about, and I was thinking, you know, I'm sure it's going to come up, but maybe it won't. And here we are, right, a full 50 minutes into pod, and I was thinking, I think we just about made it. Like this might be the first pod we get through, Without and then Dennis out of nowhere brings it up, and I'm like, there's no way he's not going to see that. I referenced the wire. And I was thinking, maybe I can just keep it to one reference today. Yeah, I was but like, no. we're so close. So close. <laughs> uh, Home Chicky is is all on board for the they killed Kenny kind of uh, <laughs> jokey line. Although, like, won't that just kind of start getting dark if if you and the rest of the, your lower deck friends are just so expendable like that? Maybe it won't be every episode, but they have to do at least one. Like, there's got to be oh, yeah. one. In the pilot. There's got to be one in the pilot. <laughs> Has there been cloning in uh, any Trek? Um, that is a good Or question. duplication where people are just like duplicating each other. Oh, there's definitely been like duplication through time travel before. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm not 100% sure about total duplication. And mm. how many datas do we get, right? Like that's like Yeah, why don't you use a data thing. as a red shirt? They, but they're people because too, Grant. Picard, because Picard loves data. We watched yes. the show Picard specifically to make that point and underline it. Okay, it is true. Uh, I think that's about it for um, the questions and comments this episode. All right, y'all. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about in respects to this lower decks as we get ready? Uh, for this episode, no. I mean, just overall, I, I thought you guys, how you guys are guiding me through watching the next generation episodes is interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious which, which is going to be the next episode you guys trick me into watching and discussing <laughs> with you. I feel and like we got to get one that's good. Like, you know, I, you guys I, need I to find the one satisfied. where, where Picard is the most pure and lovely being who who looks out for everyone rather gotta, than him just like I'm gonna trick you and four break you. Lights. I've yeah. seen this image, <laughs> but I don't know the episode. I have we no idea. Find, um there's I think there's an episode from Voyager that's sort of lower decks ish, and I'll try to figure out which one that is so that maybe we can watch it and prep for the show next month. And um Chupi brought up there are multiple times when people are cloned so <laughs> oh yeah. deep space nine lots of things thank you appreciate it the brain gets full sometimes <laughs> um but yeah i think uh i think that's about it but thank you all so much for joining the pod this week remember we'll be live again every thursday at 9 p.m central time on youtube we're also on twitch Facebook and Twitter. Uh, just go to StarTrekPod.co for all of the links that you need, where you can find us on the live stream or subscribe to the audio podcast. Uh, and I think next week we're going to discuss Stamets <gasps> in one of our character breakdowns. Yeah, let's talk about Stamets. It's going to be a fun one. I'm going to take mushrooms while we talk about it. Whoa. 
I, maybe. I don't. They won't kick in until the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like <laughs> super lucid and all of a sudden like we're about to go and all of a sudden my eyes go, oh shit. <laughs> this will be fun. We're going to talk about a character who actually watches and listens to the show. Yeah. Maybe well, the, act, good the actor watches. The and actor, listens. sorry. The actor watches. During, really during the on season, we don't know if he's listening to these ones. We, we might we might be in the clear to talk as much trash as we need to. Whoa. <laughs> uh, folks, uh, if he's you my watch- friend now. We're friends yeah. now. So <laughs> <laughs> we joke. We joke. Uh, uh, while we're on the topic of, of talking trash, if you guys want to hear us talk more trash or more Trek, rather. Um, whoa, that didn't sound good. That's no. not bad. That's not a <laughs> well. good transition. Uh, go check us out and support us over at patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. There you can make a per episode pledge. Give us two bucks an episode, and you will have access to our exclusive Slack channel where you can join us and all of our community uh, in watching old episodes and discussing it on a weekly basis. We also put out some... Uh, additional exclusive episodes like the badass women of trek and we've been doing movie reviews we're gonna uh, probably kick into the kelvin universe? yeah i think we scheduled that for july yeah end of this month we're gonna start watching some some of these uh chris pine ones and f- if we don't get too lost in his eyes we might actually be able to talk a little bit about <sighs> the movie he's the best chris is he i think so <laughs> <laughs> okay he looks kind of like a giant baby there's a picture of him walking out of an independent bookstore wearing a mask holding a giant bag of books with just masterful looking legs it's a good one if you're on twitter i highly recommend it oh he's literate <laughs> he's so much better than the rest of us because he knows how I'm to read so not sure where we're going right now but let's come along for the ride anyway clyde did you want to tell people where they can follow us on social media yes if you're on social media and you're still listening please Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can check us out at Star Trek Pod. Uh, please tweet about the episode. Um, I mean, we got a lot of good stuff in here. Uh, and I want to shout out to Karen, who helps us run, who runs our Twitter, and James Worm, who runs our Insta. Um, and yeah, if you uh, give us $2 an episode, we'll see you on the Slack channel. Whoop, whoop. Lots of ways to get in touch with us. Do it. Yes. Thank you all so much. We really appreciate you for joining us on Star Trek Discovery Pod. And remember, if you have the opportunity and you're already on Reddit, we really appreciate when you post about the show. Let people know what we're talking about, especially if it's relevant or if you're already hitting up those places on Reddit. Make sure they know about our podcast. And we thank you all so much. Clyde, where can we follow you online and hear more from you and your work? At Clyde Haynes. You can find me on Twitter and then on the web at www.keyandclyde.com. Dot com. That's K-E-I and Clyde.com. Grant Davis. Uh, at Baron Von Grant. Do it up. And I am on Twitter and Instagram at Mariah Gossett. That's Mariah with a Y and a Gossett with two S's and two T's. Remember to donate and support the Okra Project and the Central Texas Food Bank. That is donate.startrekpod.co. Live long and prosper. Bye. The shrooms are kicking in. <laughs>